And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Gabrielle, near-death experiencer, trained medium, and QHA practitioner from Germany, who is here to help us put the pieces together to see the bigger picture. Gabrielle, thank you for joining me and welcome. Hello, I'm happy to be here. Gabrielle, can we please first start with your NDE? Yes, we can. It was 1981. I was extra traveling to India to have my NDE there. <laughs> it was after finishing my studies at the university and I got a little bit of money from my father. And before entering into the work zone, I wanted to have some free time. And I made it up for myself as some kind of quest for the meaning of my life. Because I was never content with what I saw in my parents, just working, marry children, uh, have a house and then die. And that's all. No, um, I wasn't content with that. So I went to India, I went to an ashram, and that was not the thing for me. And then one night I was uh, at the Taj Mahal in India, very famous, and it was full moon. And that's a special thing because the marble reflects the cold moonlight. And this thing looks like a crazy kind of starship that's hovering above the earth. And I had a strange feeling. I I wanted to go inside and I suddenly couldn't enter and step over the threshold to enter the Taj Mahal. And for me, it could have been hours, maybe it was minutes, I don't know. An inner fight was starting because I knew when I enter, I will die in there. And I, of course, I was 28. I didn't want to die. So I was fighting inside of myself. No, 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 like that. And then suddenly, after some time, just my body made this step without me uh, consenting. And I stepped inside this um, tomb-like chamber and I had the feeling, whoa, I'm dying here. Everything's over now. And I had been there during the day. That's a funny thing. I'm not the kind of person who reads um, the guides uh, about a country you go to or the places. I didn't know anything but the Taj Mahal. Okay, now I'm here in Agra. I'm going to visit it. And during the day, you uh, you are led to go into a tomb with two sarcophagi, uh, all marble and decorated and things like that. And I went in there during the day. At that time, I didn't even know that I was psychic or sensitive. And I didn't feel anything. So I thought, what about this uh, king who died there with his woman? Uh, I can't feel anything. There's nothing there. And in the night... When I entered that place, I suddenly saw a hole in the floor. So there was a fake tomb above, and the real tomb with the real sarcophagi was beneath. 
in one um, deeper space under the, the fake tomb. So I saw the in entrance, which I hadn't seen during the day visiting this uh, uh, monument. And I felt drawn to enter in this dark hole. It was just like a square into the darkness down to the cellar or somewhere I didn't know. And I had to go there. And during walking down the steps, I felt like an Egyptian mummy that's pressed into this sarcophagus and I felt I'm, I can't move. And when I came into this chamber, I went around these two sarcophagi, the real ones, and I touched one and I knew intuitively, or don't ask me from where I did know that, I knew that's the sarcophagus of the woman. But that they're, they're the same, and there's nowhere a letter saying this is the man's, this is the woman's. I don't know. I just knew it's the woman's. And I had the feeling I've got something to do with her, and um, I'm going to die in here. And there was a guy sitting there, an Indian man, who just chanted an Aum. But in this chamber, totally made of stone, that was a sound that really blew my mind. And woo, I went out of my body. I don't know how I left this place. I found myself later on in my hotel room. I couldn't speak, I wasn't hungry, I couldn't drink, I couldn't do anything. I was just lying on my bed for three days, digesting what I had experienced. And the time when I was out, I had the life review. I felt like these old, um, you know, um, in former days, when we had no digital cameras, we still used these little boxes where you draw the film, the celluloid out. And I felt like a box, like a film box, and they were drawing the film out of me with pictures of my life. And I saw things that I thought I had done wrong. And I knew deep inside, oh, that was no good. And suddenly from a higher perspective, that was right. Although I yelled at someone, and things where I thought, oh, I've done good, they were totally wrong. So I got the thing about the different perspective from the soul's perspective. These are all lessons. And our human judgment, you can forget about it. We're mostly wrong. So, and I couldn't get through to the light. I had the feeling I'm in the tunnel. Everybody talks about the tunnel. And the tunnel was suddenly blocked by big monolithic rocks, like in these old monuments in Peru, they polygonal, all these big stones. And there was a writing on this wall, <laughs> very biblical, with flames. And there stood, you're not dying. Go back home. It's around your corner. Go to the Rosicrucians. They have the knowledge you are seeking. Wow. Okay. So then I, after that three days in India, I tried to change my ticket and go back home. And before I made my uh, journey to India, I was at a speech, a talk, public talk from the Rosicrucians and I had the feeling wow there's something there and whenever I tried to grasp it I had the feeling I've got nothing in my hands but what they were 
talking about touched me very deep inside. And so that was the right hint. And I was sent back to Germany and I went to the Rosicrucians and later I found out just around my corner, two members of the Rosicrucians were living. So we were already energetically um, in some kind of contact without me consciously knowing. And then I started the journey of uh, studying theory of Gnostics and other religions, Sufism, Buddhism, Hinduism. But after 20 years and more of just theory, I was longing for practice. So that's when I entered into mediumship and the door opener was um, watching my beloved husband, the great love of my life, dying from cancer. And I could nothing uh, to do to help him just be there. And um, it was really a miracle. When a soul comes into the body at childbirth, that's the same kind of miracle as if the soul leaves the body and goes uh, to the other world. And I felt him in this room when he left with the last breath. And it was so clear. He's good on the other side. I saw him dancing and jumping and never did I had visions like that before. So I said to myself, okay, even stupid little me is understanding. You're good on the other side. And that's all I want to know from, from you as I love you. I want you to be free, happy and healthy. And that was it. And then he started guiding me on my journey. So a lot of stuff. <laughs> During your NDE, did you see anything else besides the life review and those giant polygonal rocks? No. You, you didn't encounter any beings or anything? No, because I wasn't ready for that. I learned later on in my mediumship, whatever belief you carry, you will encounter first. So I wasn't raised really in some kind of belief. My parents were... Uh, evangelic, but just on the paper, because my father was uh, the chief forester in a small village, and the people looked for him and his family and his children, how they behave. I had to go for one ritual in the evangelic church at 14, the confirmation, and that was it. I didn't believe in God or anything, I was just in search of the purpose of my life, because I thought that this cannot be all, there must be more. And I felt there is more. Because of some of my memories, my first uh, memory at three years old is I'm looking around at my family and I'm thinking, what am I doing here with these people? As if the soul just kicked in and is waking up and thinking, where am I? I found it very interesting that you said that what we believe is what we see first during the NDE. Yes. And that makes sense why so many people see different things. Exactly. Who does not believe in anything. I met people like that as a medium on the other side. They don't know that they are dead. They need somebody to tell them, hey, you passed over. You're in your etheric body now. And look around for your guide or your uh, uh, guardian angel and ask them for help to bring you um, to um, the light to help you uh, raise. 
And sorry, I lost the track because I had to uh, okay. plug in the battery. It's okay. You were saying that they need someone to help them, you know, let them know that they're yeah, dead. Exactly. So this is for this is for the rationalists who think this is one life. I die, and that's all. And it's not like that. <laughs> Already science has proven we've got at least 11 uh, dimensions. And there's a lot of literature from many, many famous people about all of this. Uh, the German, no, it was an Austrian guy, I think, Rudolf Steiner, the founder of the anthroposophical movement. He wrote extensively about the insights from the other realms, from other worlds, and um, also the the English uh, spiritual church, which brought a lot of good mediums and medium trainment with the Findlay College in England. They have a tradition more than 100 years, and they know about these they already have maps, more or less, about the beyond. There's the lower 4D, the astral world, where you can encounter bad spirits or demons and uh, earthbound souls who got stuck and didn't find the way or were ashamed or were in fear of judgment, trial day, things like that. These are all beliefs. If you believe, oh, I will be judged because I've stolen as a kid or I lied, then you will encounter that. If you have a religious belief, you will encounter um, your kind of religion. Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, doesn't matter. So it's some kind of, there's really a mechanic and there are steps and there are lessons and processes. And if you, if you understand the patterns, you get a better clue about the journey of the soul through this material world with all its polaric dualistic lessons. I've had some near-death experience guests that have said that they were atheist before their NDE, but then ended up seeing Jesus or some entity and changed their viewpoint. How do you explain that? Yes, because they are real. They There are real light beings. There's the in the Gnostic text, they talk about true light and they talk about false light, which is an imitation of the true light. So the true light beings, of course, you will encounter them, even if you're atheist, because religion is not about being God. It's about we all have a divine spark in us. The connection is via the heart where the soul can enter and has its bond. And so if we meditate or concentrate and focus and just go inside like the Bible told us, don't go outside to the church for praying, go inside your heart and pray there. So the direction, the connection is direct and all the religions, well, more or less they are some kind of intermediate who tells you, well, you can come to God if you come to my church. So I don't need anything or anyone between me and source. And that's how we were made, every one of us. And all these that come in between and say, oh, you need this, buy this seminar, read this book, follow my religion. 
Well, they maybe they are meant to show you the way, but yeah, they're not meant to be followed as gods, gurus, celebrities. That's um, some of the flaws of the human race. We're programmed like that to look up to someone. We think he is more enlightened, more this, more that. We're all the same. And Source wants us equal on the same level. Doesn't want babies who say, oh, do everything for me. I pray for you and you make my life wonderful. It doesn't work like that. It's all there, all the gifts, all the energies, but you got to do at least one step in the right direction to show, yes, I'm willing. Okay, so now help me. If you do the one step, you get help. Would you say that on the other side, there is some kind of energetic consciousness field that we eventually all become one with, which is also considered God as well? Yes, and I think we all are already connected with that. Because of the the spirit, the spark of the divine inside of us, we, we have, maybe you heard that people say we are multidimensional beings. So if there are at least 11 dimensions on every dimension or density, you have a soul aspect of yourself being conscious there, living there without form or with your etheric bodies. So they say that the higher soul is at the sixth density. And that's where we meet at night. Whenever you lay your body down and your consciousness uh, is sleeping, your soul is leaving your body, doing other things, meeting with your soul family on this level of unity, and you have even higher levels. So we're connected through all the levels and um, depends on you how far you want to go. I don't want to rest before I... Before I meet the the ultimate goal, reuniting with Source. And I think that's some kind of divine program that's in all of us who are seekers, who's content with this world. Okay, I'm not judging, but I'm not content. I want more. And I know there's more. Are you saying that when we're in deep sleep every night at the level where we don't even dream, we're actually in the sixth dimension doing stuff. And then when we come back, we just don't remember it. Yes, because the human mind can't grasp it. And in the QHHT hypnosis sessions, um, the good thing about uh, Dolores Cannon's method is she found a way to contact directly. She called it the subconscious, but it's more her... uh, Scholars and pupils um, said to her, you have to call it differently. It's maybe the higher self. We put names on all of this. And there are so many names that nobody (laughs) is understanding what is meant. So the higher part of yourself, which isn't ruling the all-day life, is awake at night when you go to sleep with all your ego functions, your thinking and feeling and all of this. And you're always connected with that. Maybe you heard about the silver cord, where it is um, some kind of um, etherical um, connection with your 
uh, finer bodies, the, the etheric, which is the body of the life force, the astral, which is the body of the emotions and feelings, and the mental, which is the body of the brain of thinking processes. So this is your aura, your auric field, and your auric of fine bodies and they are connected to your um, solar plexus chakra around the navel and with this umbilical cord the silver cord you can go out and it stretches you can uh, if you like travel obe out of body to see saturn or whatever and the cord goes with you and with the cord you're still connected and you come back in the morning so in the QHHT, you keep the people in a special brainwave um, condition, which is called theta. Theta is when you awake and when you fall asleep. We do this all the time, every morning, every evening, but nobody can put his finger upon the point, the moment, the minute when he fall, fell asleep and when he woke up. So we are prolonging the theta and then we can ask the clients questions and it's usually what's my life purpose, what's my mission, uh, something like that, or why is my knee always hurting, things like that. And you get a direct answer from your higher self or subconscious, from this higher being, energetic being inside of yourself. I think maybe you can also call it the soul and it's never um, giving small talk. If you ask something, it gives the answer, bam, bam, bam. Not like we humans, we say, oh, I think, and maybe, and ah, da, 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 da. It's always straight, ever, always a straight answer. I mentioned in the beginning that you're a medium. When did you start communicating with beings on the other side? Consciously, I started after the death of my beloved husband because I felt him in the room and I wanted to know more. And I already lost my brother when I was a child. I was 12 and he was 16. He had a motorcycle accident. And, and I missed him so much because he was my uh, the, the brother I loved most. And I, I thought, I feel him still, but I can't see him. And I knew that there's something else. So after my husband's death, I went back home from the clinic and started searching with Google for mediumship trainment because that was my idea. I want to know more. And they um, do this since hundreds of years and uh, they should know and there should be a training. And then I found my um, my trainers or my my I don't know how my teachers in mediumship, which had um, the connection to the English tradition, which I like very much because it's based on evidential mediumship and very boots to the ground. So you need proof. And uh, when I did that. Googling it and finding these teachers, I suddenly felt my left side, where I always feel my beloved husband, 
just going off in fire, like burning. And I, I looked aside and I had the feeling I see him with my inner eye. And he was jumping with joy, doing like, yeah, go there to that seminar. I'll be with you. So I booked the seminar. I went there. And at the first coffee break, I was standing with uh, an unknown guy to me, very friendly person. I didn't know that he was clear, uh, voyant from birth. And he was a homeopath and he looked at me and then suddenly he said, may I ask you something? And I said, yes, of course, go on. And he said, do you know that you've got somebody with you? And I said, hmm, might be my husband. And trying him out, I said, can you describe? And he said, well, it's a long, slim guy with glasses and very short gray hair. And I said, okay, you can stop already. That's my husband. And he told me he'd be with me uh, to this seminar. So that was giant proof. And I thought, wow, this is uh, really good. And mm -hmm. that was the direction I needed to find in my life to uh, understand the things I had experienced before and couldn't make sense of. You started becoming a medium, and then afterwards, did you move from that into QHHT? Yes, and that's a funny thing also, how the spiritual world um, gave me the nudge into that uh, uh, direction. I, um, I'm making music also because I'm very interested in sound, uh, although I still can't read the musical scale, but you can play intuitively handpan and drums and other things. So in this context, I sometimes meet people, um, well, which I wouldn't choose to meet. They're just hanging around with musicians like, uh, a guy that was a bit spiritual, but he wasn't clear when he was talking. I always had the feeling, mm, better stay away. And I don't, I never listened really to him. So this guy approached me one day in this musical uh, situation. And he said, um, did you ever hear about Dolores Cannon? And I said, no, um, but um, yes. Uh, Okay, so whatever, there's a lot of people and many things on the internet. I don't need to know everything and forgot it. But I already learned that the spiritual world shows you the same theme, person or word or sentence several times. And you got to recognize when it's coming the th second or the third time to react. So... Another situation, two weeks later, the same guy again approached me and said, did you Google for Dolores Cannon? And I thought, oh, there it's coming the second time. So maybe, and I saw my guys, me showing this thumbs up, thumbs up, go that direction. I went home, I Googled Dolores Cannon. I saw the first video about the three waves of volunteers of souls who volunteered to help earth. And I started crying and my heart was jumping and saying, yes, 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 that's it. And I started uh, the trainment and was very, very interested in the theta state. 
And before I tried uh, the online trainment from Dolores Cannon, I said to myself, well, I'm all about experience and proof. I want to know how this feels. So I'm looking for a QHHT person, um, hopefully in Germany, that's not so far away and not too um, costly and high in price. And I found a person and just look at the synchronicity. The person was living 11 minutes, one, one, 11 minutes away from me. So close. And my first uh, QHHT um, hypnosis session was, whoa, mind blowing. And after that, I said, okay, now I'm sure I want this trainment and I want to work with that. So my direction got more specific. And I just love talking to the higher self because they're so clear. And whatever you ask, they explain, they show you, they tell you. And I would wish that every human being can have this kind of true conversation with the own inner self because it's refreshing, it's healing, and it's truthful, and it's the best thing that can happen to you. I got so many clues from that. You mentioned something about that there are three ways or three souls that come here to help. Can you tell yes, us more about that? That's what Dolores found out. She had a lot of clients for hypnosis sessions. And then she found out there came these people around the birth uh, year of 1950s, 1960s. That's exactly my birth year. Uh, and they had this feeling, I'm wrong here, I'm incarnated wrongly, I'm switched at hospital, I don't belong here, I'm strange, I feel alien, nobody likes me, I get mobbed at school, I have difficulties find friends, and I'm not interested in what all the others are interested, I, I want the truth, I'm interested in ufology, I want to know the meaning of life where others only want to know how much they earn and how much they uh, they have a, at the end of the month and if they can see their football game or whatever. So these 20 years, the first waivers came in that were the souls that... Um, were kind of pioneers like Dolores herself who, who paved the way. And I had a funny memory once that I remembered suddenly the calling of Mother Earth. I had a situation sitting on my couch a little bit dizzy and tired and I dropped my eyes and suddenly, poof, I was floating in space looking at the vast darkness with some sparkling lights here and there. And I was with my body, I think. It was my body. I had arms and legs and a head, but no suit, no uh, suit for space, something like that. So it must have been the uh, etheric body. And suddenly I felt something in my back. And the funny thing about the chakras is you feel more in the back than in the front because they are radiating and perceiving more out to the back. We made tests about that when you can feel somebody in your back. Even people on the streets react. If somebody is fixing you from behind, you turn around because you feel somebody is in your neck is staring at you. 
So the perception in my back was there is something living, another living being in this vastness of space. And firstly, I couldn't turn around. I don't know why I was blocked. So I felt more into that energy and it felt really good and loving. And I wanted to meet this being. So after a while, I could turn around and I saw Mother Earth this wonderful blue marble in the space. And I felt so drawn to it. And I got this because um, Dolores um, said that many of the three waves, there was a second and a third wave um, <clears throat> after the 50s and 60s who incarnated just to help Mother Earth in ascending and bringing more light into this planet to help the whole process. And the second waivers, this are more the, the hippie people make love, peace, not war, and caring for good health and good eating and things like that, and also starting into healing. And the third waivers are the children that uh, start totally new things, like there's a 10-year-old boy who started a company helping children so as a grown-up you can only draw your head in front of these uh, children and there were many many volunteers who came to earth to help the process and they're all starting to awaken now and uh, finding their mission and like in a big grid of light they are all working together knowingly or not if you just follow your purpose what you feel makes your heart feel good and and jump with joy then follow it that's your uh, that's a part of you you have to live it and experience it we're in the third dimension people talk about the ascension and we're moving from the third to the fifth you also mentioned earlier that in our dreams or when we're sleeping we go to the sixth dimension can you just tell us the differences between the third fourth fifth and sixth that's difficult because um, I'm not fully aware. I can only um, draw from some of my OBE experiences because I think they were in higher dimensions than the fourth. The fourth is like um, having nightmares and um, complicated dreams when you don't understand anything. Uh, that's the lower astral. Then there's the middle and the higher astral in the fourth dimension that's already better energetically. Um, and the fifth dimension, I think, is where uh, the UFO on ET being contact starts and the angels and the light being contact starts. Because I, after seeing three UFO really with these eyes on the sky, I had some out-of-body experiences on ships. And the funny thing was um, I felt a total difference in light. They weren't like our science fiction films from, from Star Trek with these uh, corridors that are more or less um, with light but still dark. I was in a place that was totally white. I could feel a floor under my feet and it was even and plain, but I felt as if I'm sitting in a crystal singing bowl that's um, enlightened like a lamp. 
but I never saw a source of the light. It was like crystal. The whole surface inside the ship was like crystal and it was glowing with white crystalline light. And the first time I was on the ship, funny thing is, I could only look outside of my eyes at my height and I saw only legs. So the beings I saw were much, much bigger than I am. And I couldn't look upward to see them. I could see only legs like these. In Germany, we have these funny little dogs with very short legs. It's called the Dachshund. Mm -hmm. Not very important. But if you imagine a dog that's uh, not even up to your knee, he sees only feet and legs. And I felt like that. And I saw that they had some kind of uniform in blue color. And I asked them, who are you and what do you want? And then something happened, which I disliked. And then I uh, was beamed outside and was back in my bed again. So I think they're telling us with the seven nodes, the seven chakras, the seven colors, which the white light, when you do the prismatic split, creates all the seven colors. So light is color and information. And I felt there was a different light. I think higher than fifth dimension, I never was in my OBE or my NDE or whatever you like to call it. In the hypnosis, maybe you come a bit higher. I know that I have a higher self in a higher dimension, but I haven't had the personal contact with that or something like that. I have met angels, I have met fairies, I have met gnomes, and they're all so wonderful. And I felt so ashamed as a human in the beginning. And I was really asking them, I, I love you, you're wonderful, but how can you, I mean, I feel honored, but how can you have contact with humans? I know what we are doing, how we are destroying earth and what everything is wrong here. And they said, doesn't matter. You are here now. That's all we want. Unite with us and do your best. So, wow, that's really humbling. Tell us about when you saw the UFOs with your own eyes here on Earth. Well, that wasn't that special. Um, I was outside uh, in southern Germany, at the house of friends on the porch. I'm still smoking cigarettes, so I was having my night cigarette and was looking up in the sky with another woman who also smoked and suddenly she started. She said, there's an orange dot that's moving across the sky. It's not a star and stars shouldn't move like that. And can you see that? And I looked where she pointed and I saw it also and it was moving in a straight line tiny orange dot the size of a star and I thought by myself well it's missing the blinking lights left and right the uh, green and red so it can't be a plane and then as if it was answering my telepathic thought it made a 90 degree turn to show no I'm not a plane <laughs> And I thought, wow, so they're really here. And I always wished to see one. And that was my first. 
The second was also with another person. And in the beginning, I find this really great because you can't talk yourself out of it if another one beside you saw it also. If you're alone, you're programmed, oh, I'm hallucinating, oh, whatever. No, I saw it with other uh, testimonies, so I knew it was true. And the third I had for myself on my porch, I was looking at the sky and was so much wishing I I could see them again. And I was quasi praying and begging, hey, fly by, I'd like to see you, give me a sign, I need some hope. And then I saw again an orange dot moving and it was right over my porch. And I said, oh, is it you? They lit up with a big white light and uh, then they flew away over my house. And this lighting up was, hello, we see you, we know you're there. And I thought, wow, yeah, I was jumping with joy. And I felt the energy that that raises the energy if you can answer with love and joy. So the higher dimensions really are about higher energy and higher frequency. And if you if you're loving, if you're kind, if you do something that brings joy, you automatically raise your frequency. And if you match at least very close, they can come in. They never, the good ones, never contact you when you're in a lower frequency, when you're in fear or something negative. Are we able to communicate with our higher selves without having to be in a QHHT session? Yes. How do we do that? You can learn it, but it needs discernment. So the first clue the ancients uh, left us was on the, the Greek temple of Delphi, where there was written in stone, know thyself, which means know that you are more than this body, that you have a soul and a divine spark, and learn to discern this from your ego, from your human side, which is fearful, which doesn't want to move, which is afraid of the new and of change and whatever, and always tries to stick to the same. So you've got to discern these two voices inside of you which you learn very good as a medium because you have to um, describe what you perceive and not interpret. So interpreting is, is already um, working with the brain. So the ego always talks in the same way. Oh, don't do that. I don't like him. Uh, this is no good. I better leave that. So it shows you it is fearful. And it doesn't want to change. It just wants to maintain its status quo. And the talk of the, of the divine spark, the higher self, the source or the light beings, the good ones, so to say, they're always like that. Did you ever think about looking at that? How do you feel with that? Don't you like making music? And that's feeling so great. So why not try this instrument? Or why not try dancing or playing the flute or whatever? So it's always empowering. 
it it wants to to bring you into um, a higher state, while the other one wants to keep you controlled. So if you learn the discernment, then with some meditation, which really goes inside, concentrate on your heart. The, the simplest thing is touch your heart because where the focus is, there goes the energy. And if you feel your hand on your body and the warmth, automatically your focus goes there. Even Eckhart Tolle said, if you feel, you can't think. You get you have to get out of the thinking into the feeling and then you can start connecting and listening to the small voice and ask questions and i found out not only as qhht um, practitioner it's really an art to ask the right questions because you get what you ask for if you ask only, I want to understand why this happened to me in the past, the why, why, why question, you get only answer to why, why, why and the past. But if you ask, how can I heal this or how can I better this? Then you get, it's come from that because of that, why, why, why? But you also get information how to improve, how to make it better, what to do or what to, um, to drop to uh, make the situation better. So it's really an art of questioning and you got to start an inner dialogue and ask questions. And you need a meditative state, at least alpha brain waves, theta would be better. You can with deep meditation get easily into theta and then address like with the GPS. Don't address, I'm open for everything. Then you invite everything. You don't leave open your house door to let every uh, crawling creature, warm and spider come in. And so you don't do with this temple. You open for source or for Jesus or for Buddha, whatever you or Maria or whatever, who is in your eyes, your true reference, whom you want to bind with or your own higher self. That's the best address. Can you teach us or give us tips on how to have an OBE? <laughs> yes. That's um, quite simple. To tell the truth, I I had a funny thing. I hopefully not talking too long. I always thought after my mediumship train uh, trainment, I thought, well, um, the the ones who communicate with animals, they are doing something else, or the ones who do remote viewing, they are doing something else. So I spent a lot of money doing uh, animal con communication, finding out, no, it's nothing different than what I do. It's mediumship, just with another soul, an animal soul. So it's all the same. And the thing is, I came to OBE by accident or synchronicity. I saw a video where a guy introduced via a short meditation to come into this state. And he was holding this in uh, some kind of seminary room. 
And I was sitting in my living room on the couch and I did it. And he, during the meditation, he said, so now you're out of your body. And let's say you enter your living room and go look around. So I entered my living room and I saw my body sitting there on the couch. That was kind of strange and funny. But I already had a lucid dream flying under the roof, seeing my bed and the the body in there. So I already knew that. If you want to have an out-of-body experience, you got to meditate. You can use um, binaural beats for relaxation. Breathwork is necessary because if you breathe out longer, then you inhale that activates your vagus nerve, which is for relaxation. So the right inhaling is through the nose in and out through the mouth. And you exhale longer than you inhale. So take a few deep breaths, touch maybe your heart or just sit comfortably. Do not cross any arms or legs because uh, that will hinder the flow of energy. And then you start to feel inside yourself, your body and your field. And he was working with questions. He said, well, now start feeling your right hand. Send all your feeling into it as if you're entering a glove and feel the hand. And then suddenly he asked, how do you know that you have a hand? And my ego during the meditation said, well, I can feel it. (laughs) Then he said, go into your right foot, your left foot, your left hand. And he repeated, how do you know you have a left hand? And after I did that with all my uh, feet and legs, I I still, my, my ego, my brain still said, well, I can feel it. But I got the feeling, well, I'm more than my body. I can feel the consciousness. I can feel this torus field of three meter around me. And it's filled with some kind of misty, white, cloudy uh, energy stuff. And then he said, well, now go out of your body and enter your living room. And so I went out of my body because I already felt um, I'm more than my hands and all this. And I had this feeling of the field around me and I could feel my consciousness around my head. So if somebody helps you with giving this advice or like a command, now you leave your body and you go uh, here and there or whatever to your living room, then you do it. You don't think about it, you do it, and it happens. You have to command yourself, prepare with meditation and breath work, focus on the body, on the on the parts, hands and, and feet, and ask yourself the question, how do I know that I have a hand? Doesn't have to be answered. And then you get the feeling of this space around you and that you are in the space and not in the body. The body is just a little part in this bigger space that you are. And then you can uh, give an address like, like into the GPS. I want to see Egypt. I want to go there. I want to go. I don't know where. 
You're an ex-Rosicrucian and you learned the Gnostic knowledge. Do you still apply any of that knowledge in your life today? And if so, what? The most important thing which I still use from the Gnostic knowledge is that um, life review. Because in the life review, you experience a situation you had with any other soul embodied. But not only from your perspective, you jump into his perspective and you feel like he felt when you were yelling at him, how he felt embarrassed or uh, insulted. So you have to go 360 degree perception and different views and feelings and experience it all. So, and if there is anything you regret, this will be a bond that um, draws you to reincarnate again, to repair it, to make it better next time with that soul, with that person where you couldn't uh, be as kind or whatever you wanted. So if you do this every night before sleeping, review your day like a life review and see, oh, what do I regret? What would I have wished to do to have done better if you're doing it during this life then when you really leave your body you don't have the whole long procedure because you're dying every day and you're reborn every morning and can start new and fresh so that's something even the old greeks uh, practiced it's very good it's practicing focusing before entering to sleep, focusing your thoughts and not running wild thinking this and that and worrying what will be tomorrow and how do I pay this bill and blah, 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 blah. So you're focusing on, on some kind of life review for the day to, to make um, some kind of balance. Because I once asked my guides for um, a simple manual for ascension one which is good for dummies like me <laughs> i thought i'm a dummy i don't know enough i'm still scratching the surface and don't understand enough and they said only four points they said uh, know thyself balance forgiving and self-love and that's it but that's a whole lot Sounds so easy, these four points, but really, who's got who can say, I love myself? Everybody's got still some corners where he's not content. And you're doing practically, if you do the life review every night before sleeping, you're doing practically to improve. Because if you inform the quantum field around you, oh, I don't like this, what I said today to my neighbor, I will do better tomorrow. You put a positive intent, a positive energy into the field. So you open the door that the next time it can be better. If you never think about it and think, ah, oh, that neighbor, blah, 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 there is no change. There is no door opening. There's there's no no way to to act differently. But if you put an intent, oh, I don't like it. You don't judge yourself. You say. I'm not content with it. Sorry. I want it better. And you put out the better intent. So that's the leading uh, force that gives you another direction for the new day. And I think that's a real good ritual to practice. 
Some of my near-death experience guests go to the Black Void. Can you tell us what that place is? I think it is the void where some people say that there are supra-consciousnesses that rule this universe, this part of the universe. Our universe is only a quadrant of the whole cosmos. And they are overlooking this creation. And so this um, there are many descriptions. There are souls who who leave with a near-death experience He's, who say they had the feeling they're in the void. And um, I think that, like in the Gnostic text, they speak of the void as Sophia, the wisdom, the the female force that's uh, creating together with the male force, the light, a creation. So it's like in the womb, it's, it's dark, there is no light, and then they become self-aware or they long for light, and then there appears this tiny spark of light. And then some kind of creation begins because nobody stays in the void. They enter and they go out. They It's not like a, a, an all-devastating uh, uh, vastness of blackness or darkness that engulfs you. It's, it's uh, kind of comfortable. It's um, very vast, but it's not, um, it doesn't make you afraid. I think it's uh, what the Gnostics call Sophia or what is... Uh, did you ever uh, saw science fiction films like uh, uh, Deep Space Nine? It's so funny, this guy, Gene Roddenberry, he was uh, part of uh, channeling experiences around a circle of a guy in military circles, I think, um, Andrea Puharic, and he got a lot of his ideas for the Star Trek series from these channelings. And he was asking questions. How does it work? How's reality there? And things like that. And it's so funny that he named this one series Deep Space Nine, because it's exactly what another contactee um, who has physically contact with ETs, Elena Danan, maybe you heard of her. Mm -hmm. Uh, she also described the void and the nine supra-consciousnesses. So there are many clues and hidden informations in stories we uh, get sold as fairy tales and, um, and legends or science fiction, but there's a lot of truth in that. Because it's some kind of soft disclosure. You get the, the, the language of the soul is pictures. And you get fed with pictures all the time. And so even the old ancient fairy tales, which the uh, mother in the medieval times told to their children, they contain images of archetypes, of situations, of forces and energies in the universe. So this all touches you in one way or the other and helps your remembering your soul, your soul journey, what you came here to do and why you incarnated here at this time. How do we learn what our soul's purpose is? 
during this lifetime? Well, you can ask in meditation and then get still, calm and listen and feel what comes up as the first impression. You can make uh, uh, um, your question into a QHHT session and get it from your own mouth because they record it. They make an audio from uh, uh, your hypnosis session and your higher self will answer what is your mission. But I found out with all my QHHT uh, clients, they're more or less already on it. <clears throat> they're just blocked by thinking, I should do something better, something else. It's usually people that are interested in healing or in nature. They love animals. They care for animals. They care for good food or for growing their own food and plants, caring for plants. So you have a talent, you have a gift, and you're already drawn to it. Maybe it's not your profession in this life, but what you love to do as a kid very often turns out to be part of your gift. So I was rescuing animals and small kittens as children, and my parents thought, oh, again, she's coming with a kitten, help. And I always had this, I want to help, I want to help. And very often uh, I did the wrong thing because help and help are two different things sometimes. But this wish to help, I think that's a natural um, um, a natural thing for the soul. The soul is kind, is love. It wants to help. It has no joy in seeing other people suffering or hurting them. Only a hurt soul hurts other souls. So we all need healing. And I think that's really important. Go inside and... And start with yourself and start some healing. Be friendly, be kind. Say to yourself, I love you. Whatever you did or you will do, um, you're trying your best. Because honestly, I don't think uh, anybody's not trying his best in every moment to his best uh, uh, knowledge and capability. Dolores spoke about background people. What are your thoughts on that? That's a funny thing. I think I got her concept, but I had no experiences on my own with that. But I met people and I heard of people, even in YouTube, there are some videos who tried um, the impossible. In any situation, they suddenly stepped out and went to someone of these background people and addressed them directly. And never get a real answer. And these people somewhat uh, 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 went away. So they're not programmed to be playing characters. They're just crowd. So you need something to fill in. And they're resonating with the emotions that are played out in that situation. So I think in the end, It's all in here, like we were told by the old saints, by all the uh, uh, wise and religious people, or the old shamans. It's in here, and the world is just a mirror of what is inside. So if we inside have something which is ugly or dark, not healed, it will manifest outside. So our first step, to heal the world or to better 
the world for everyone and all is to go inside and heal yourself because by this you heal the world. You heal the part of the world that you are and you will infect others with that and that's how it's growing. This The whole thing is like a grid, like the mycelium of the, of the mushrooms under the earth. They're all connected. I can talk to my tree here in my uh, garden and tell him, Go to the tree in the garden of my girlfriend in Brazil, and when she comes into her garden, the tree shall tell her this and that. And that works, really. You won't believe it. Do we have to reincarnate? No, we don't have to. As far as I know, this is the world of free will. And there were some some mechanisms installed here on purpose to keep us in that trap of reincarnation because in every life you do something and you regret it and if your life review comes you think oh let me incarnate to make it better so you will never get out of here and i even as a as a kid told to my family i will never marry I will never have kids because that's some kind of um, soul impact from the from the starseed souls that came to help Earth to answer the calling because they knew if I have kids and if I marry, I'm really diving deep into this wheel of karma thing and I'm creating karma and I can't just come in and help as a soul and then go out again because I've created the karma and I have to pay back some karma. So it depends also on your belief. If you strongly believe in karma and that you have to pay everything back, then you likely will think, well, I have to reincarnate. But if you if you really have a different belief, like it is all free will and you can forgive yourself, what you maybe did wrong, then you're free anyway, and you can go wherever you want. But as a soul of light, a spark of the divine source, you you will be with your brothers and sisters, and you will want to have this experience and, and make it a good one. Are you planning on coming back next time? No, I said, sorry, I'm out of here. This is my last time. I don't want it anymore. What do you want to do? I, well, I think my spirit guides told me this world is just a bridge to the next world and the next and the next and in the end to source. But what we humans are doing in the middle of the bridge, we build our house with firm stones and say, here I will stay instead of going over. So I know if... I, I experienced it with my beloved husband uh, passing over. There is another realm. There are other challenges. There is another growing. There's more knowledge. And in the upper 4D dimension, there's all this interesting thing. There's the Akashic record, which they call over there the library. So you can access anything of knowledge there. If you get bored in the spiritual summer land where everything is happy and you're with your loved ones, 
then you can go out and study and you can um, visit the Akash or you can work in the healing rooms or you can, for more knowledge, enter the white room or the white realm where there's nothing but white fog, but you can ask questions and you get answers from formless beings. Did Rudolf Steiner come up with the word Akashic records? And if yes. so, how did he how did he come up with that? I think because he was very much into studying with um, the former Madame Blavatsky and the Theosophical Society who had uh, connections to India. I think that's an Indian term they they brought and he also adopted it more or less from uh, the Blavatsky and Theosophical uh, circles hmm. because it's a, it's a Sanskrit word. And I I never Googled it, but I think it uh, means nothing more than the library. There's all the knowledge, everything. And you can experience it in different ways. I had various times where I could exit it for a short moment. And I saw it in form of scrolls, old scrolls with writing that I couldn't decipher, but then somebody showed up who said, I can translate for you. Another being that belongs to the library said, I will translate for you if you want to know. And I also had <clears throat> had it like the, um, the Star Trek um, hologram programs. I could enter it like a like a film and interact and see it three-dimensional playing out. That's really interesting. Uh, depends on your consciousness. If your consciousness is able to allow more, then you get more. And then your perspective opens and you leave the field of religion and this God and that God. To me, it was a, a big thing to find out that my first QHHT, I was in Sumeria. And I was in a temple and I got an initiation with light. They shot from out of their hands colored light to one of the pupils and everybody got whatever he needed. Who was busy with the heart chakra, which is the green color, he got a ray of green shooting out from the hand of the, uh, the priest. And he said one word, which is sound and frequency, which matched uh, the, the, the green ray of the heart as wisdom. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. Healing with light and color in the old Sumerian times. And at the end of this QHHT session, my own higher self said, this is not her incarnation. That's the incarnation of a sister soul. We gave her to learn from it. And I thought, wow, okay, felt so real. But it made me understand why there are so many people with the same imprint of a soul, like all the Cleopatras. Well, if you want to learn leadership in this life and practice it, you download an imprint, a blueprint of how to be a leader of the kind you like. So that's why people have imprints of incarnations, maybe even from famous historical souls. And there are several because they all wanted to learn leadership. Isn't that funny? <laughs> Gabrielle, after watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Are you open to that? Um, 
Yes and no. I hope, but you have good audience. They won't bother me with things that uh, are already well known. If somebody really wants to know something, they can reach me via my email. And you got it. You can put it in the uh, description below. Yes, but can you say it for the people okay. for the audio version? Yes. It's a small G for Gabrielle, and then it's my um, uh, second name, High Camp. That's H E H E I K A M P at yahoo.de for Germany. Are you working on anything that you want us to know about? No. All right. I thought I thought I I still have two books readily written, but nobody wants to print them. And uh, I was a bit disappointed in the beginning, but then my spirit guides told me, don't worry. If you process something like that, even if somebody's only only writing diary, you process things. And the publication is in the um in the field, in the the um the collective unconscious of the human so that's where all this information goes and if somebody by frequency matches it he doesn't have to go and buy your book he can get your information um, the invisible etheric way by energetics so i um dropped all this with uh, writing books i know whatever any one of us is processing and you bring a bit of it out of yourself and manifest it. If you write something down, even if it's just uh, one or two sentences of insight that you write into a diary, this is direct information that goes into the collective consciousness of humanity. And thereby it's a printed book for everyone who wants that information and you connect via frequency if you had the same uh, thing wondering and questioning then you will draw these materials and ideas and feelings towards you i sometimes look tv and i ask myself why do i have to look this stupid film and they say wait 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 and then Five minutes before the end, there comes one sentence and I think, whoa, okay, for this sentence, I had to look at the whole stupid film. And there are things like that. I, I went to India with a book. I was looking for the purpose of my life. And in that book, it was a book about Buddha. There was one sentence that hit me at the end of my journey when I came back after the NDE. It was, if that, what you want to find isn't there where you are where do you want to go so it's all inside and if it's not there you can go nowhere wherever you go on the world you will never find it outside it's in here just take a step go inside start questioning start meditating and focusing and you will get all the help that you need did you it's cosmic law of magnetic attraction. Did you ever find out after waking up in your hotel room, what happened to you physically here on earth during your NDE? No. Hmm. All right. That's maybe missing time. I hmm. don't know. 
right. I have an alien soul. I saw on one occasion when I was on a ship out of body, they brought me into a room and they showed me in stasis a body. And it had human form, arms, legs, and it was in some kind of glass tube with some liquid in there with eyes closed. And when I stood in front of that body, I suddenly knew, wow, that's me. Or I am part of, we're the same, that's me. And the second time they um, brought me up into the ship, that was really funny. I looked at the face, they brought me again in front of this stasis being and I looked at the face and it was not a human face. It was a feline face. And where, while I looked at the face, then suddenly whoop, it opened its eyes and awoke in the glass tube. And I connected via the eyes. And I don't know what will happen now, but I'm very curious. It's still an adventure. We're connected somehow. Everybody will meet his or her connection because um, it's time now to wake up. That's the whole sense I get in from the spirit world and the other realms or, or dimensions. We're in the end phase. And now everybody needs to choose wisely what he wants. Gabrielle, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? Stop being hard on yourself. Source is love, and it's more a mother than a father or a man. It's more than that. And what does love want? What do you want if you love another person? You want that person healthy, free, happy, lucky, in good shape, and content, and all this. So don't you think that Source, as our father, mother, divine creation source wants us exactly like itself on the same level aware conscious happy free so go inside it's inside of yourself and it's very easy jesus said i'm nearer than hand and feet i'm living in your heart Meditate, go into your heart, start asking questions, and you will get answers. And learn to discern the answers and follow the hints you get, and it will get better and better. Gabrielle, thank you for that message, and thank you for being my guest. Thank you for having me. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara Podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.